Welcome to the Practice Power Play Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, I have a great opportunity to, to be joined by one of my good friends and a legend, the man, the head guy in charge, Howard Ferran, the f- founder of Dental Town, Hygiene Town, owns his own practice. I was looking at this guy's CV, and he was he did Mish, he did LVI, he did Panky, He's a diplomat of impl- diplomat of implantologist, and then he decided to get his MBA. So kind of knows knows his stuff, and the guy's a great guy and a great wealth of knowledge. So welcome, Howard. How you been, buddy? Oh man, doing great. It seems like yesterday we were on a bus on the way to where they make that uh, bourbon, where they dip it in red wax at the end. Make, makers, makers, Mark. Yeah. makers. God, that was a fun time and horse racing. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's uh, it's so funny because my mother, that is her Super Bowl. She loves horse racing, mm-hmm. and every time there's a horse race on, she's always calling me. And um, I've sent her front to Jerusalem, Paris, London, France, whatever. And if anybody asks her, well, what's the your favorite place? How he ever sent you? It's Opryland, USA. It's like, why did I send her to Paris, London, and Rome Yeah, when I could have just saved a fortune and sent her to Nashville? But she sits in that. Have you ever been in there, that little atrium mm-hmm. in there? Oh, yeah. There's a big atrium. Oh, my Beautiful. God. She thinks that is just heaven. They have gondolas now where you can ride around in the little river. And, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. So Now, how long ago was it almost wiped out by the river flood? And is it all back to normal? Yeah, or? we got flooded. I believe that was 2008. And yeah, that whole okay. thing was filled up. So they had to redo everything. Um, yeah. And no, it's back better than ever. Um, yeah. Well, I say that COVID, you know, withstanding, they just added an indoor, indoor, outdoor water park to it. Nice. So nice. We don't have the, we don't have the Opryland theme park back anymore, but uh, at least we have a water park. So there you go. So how did COVID affect your business practice i mean it must have been insane when the government started doing ppe loans and they saw all this paperwork and i bet your phones are ring- i bet i bet this has been a harder year on you than it has been your clients well i don't i don't know if i'd go that far but i would tell you this much howard typically in april i'm crunching out tax returns tax returns tax returns tax returns this year I didn't do any tax returns because we were all doing the, the PPP applications and everybody was calling me asking about idle loans and what to do and, and filling out the applications. I got twice as many billable hours this April than I did any other April previous. And that's my peak time where I'm putting in crazy hours anyway. And I was working at home um, and man, it just, you know, we were able to help a lot of people and uh, help them get that, that relief and, uh, and advise them as to how to use it. It's kind of the most important part. Well, what, what would you advise a dentist? Um, some of these dentists are, are uh, thinking that the uh, Washington DC is gonna come out with another big round. And <clears throat> these are crazy times um, politically. Do you, do you think um, that's a solid idea? Do you think they're gonna get another round of something before the end of the year or not really yeah there, there will be another round um right now and it could come it could pass this week because after this week congress goes home for christmas um and that being said today being the 15th of december uh the word is they've come to agreement on most everything and i think I'm, i would be i would not be surprised if it passes this week but what if you want additional ppp money or free money 
Um, the word on the street is you're going to have to show at least a 50% reduction in revenues Q2 or Q3 of 20 versus 19. So if somebody, you know, collected $100,000 in, 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 in <clears throat> April, May, and June of 2019, then if they collected 60, then it'd probably be phased in and phased out. I think there'll be phases how it's discounted. Um, but they're going to make sure that those that are just getting killed by this get some more relief. The, the good news, the solid news is, you know, is that the IRS came out and we and they said this the whole time that the expenses are not deductible, right? So you can't deduct it. So if you get PPP money and you pay your employees $20,000 of, you know, of your $100,000, you can't deduct that as an expense. They also said that the loan is not taxable income. So, but in, in essence, if you were paying expenses but didn't get the deduction, it basically reverse made it taxable income, right? Because I mean, you got a hundred grand, you spend an operating expenses that you can't deduct, you're gonna have to pay 30 grand in the first hundred grand of income. So, but the word on the street for people to potentially get excited about is that Congress has said the IRS got it wrong on November 18th, I believe is when they came out with their standard and that they're gonna let the deductions, the, the expenses be deductible and the loan be non-taxable. Again, now that's a general statement my personal belief, Howard, is that it'll probably be prorated based on your financial performance. Because one thing's for sure that I'm seeing with a lot of these forgiveness applications is they're making sure, they're making darn sure that people that, you know, did as well as last year, people that didn't get hit, they're going to have to pay that money back. Now, again, I think Congress is doing, I guess, except I don't want to pay my money back, but... You know, I think they're doing a they're doing a good job of trying to make sure that the people that had the hit from this get the relief with no strings, and those that actually you know didn't get hit as hard didn't just get free checks from the government. So we'll see how it plays out. So I'm I'm just curious. Um, are you you personally, Chris Mahan, are you going to take the vaccine? Today, good question, Howard. Let me think about how I'm going to answer that. <laughs> Man, not not the first round, not right out of the gate until I see some more, some more, um, you know, some more runway on it. Well, well you're a numbers guy. And I mean, if they're going to vaccinate 30 million people a month, well, if one percent of 30 million is 300,000, you're not going to be able to hide 300,000 problems a month. So, yeah. So to me, every month you wait, you know, you're, you're I mean, it's the biggest vaccination program of all time. So. Yeah. You want, it's not like you'll have to see five-year studies. I mean, if 1%, you know, start having all their hair fall out, you'll you'll know quick. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you know, and here's the thing, you know, again, with the vaccines, you know, the I'm a numbers guy, and the problem that I've had with uh, how a lot of this is, and personally, and I'm not a, I'm, and I work in the healthcare field with dentists and physicians and neurologists and cardiovascular surgeons and all, but from my standpoint looking at the numbers when you have basically what is it 15 million infections you divide that by by 339 million people then you're looking at like a seven percent infection rate and then you look at the death rate of the 15 million at 350,000 and divide that and it's at less than one percent and then you have to square when i'm talking to my insurance buddies over here saying yeah, Uncle Joe had a cancer policy, was actually in hospice, got COVID while in hospice. On the death certificate, they said COVID. 
when he clearly was dead of cancer and now his cancer policies aren't paying out. It just makes me, you know, that's where the numbers mess with me on questioning. And again, again, I think it's a terrible thing. I think it's very bad. We got to get ahead of it and control it. But I think there's different different measures for different people in the population. That's just my personal opinion. Well, you know, what's really neat is because um, we're both getting older and older and older. And when we were young, we were schooled in classical economics and, mm-hmm. and people make rational decisions and all the um, behaviors in the market. And even the Nobel Prize Committee didn't agree with this. And I remember 20 years ago, they gave one guy a Nobel Prize for behavioral economics. And then 19 years later, last year, they gave another guy one because humans aren't rational. I mean, um, I mean. So, um, and, and fear, there's no one in dentistry that thinks people are rational, like, like take fear. I mean, I have people that come in with a bar through their tongue, a paper clip through their airbrow, their whole arm is sleeved from a million shot tattoo and they're afraid <laughs> of tattoos. But I like that thing they're doing to little kids where, um, to show that they're not rational, um, they, they give you, they give each kid, uh, they'll give you, they'll get two kids. I'll play the game to you, right? Mm-hmm. So they give me a hundred dollars and they say, here's the rules of the game. I, I was, I, Howard was given the hundred dollars and I um, am playing with Chris and I can divide the money any way I want to. And Chris either accepts or denies and that's the end of the game. So everybody thinks, okay, I have a hundred dollars. Well, I'm going to put 50 on your side, 50 on my side. You're going to take the 50 game over. We each got 50 bucks. Um, but if I like keep 90 and give you 10, then all the kids say, screw you. I'm not playing this game. You're not going to get any money. I'm not playing. So I'm not going to accept it. So you didn't get 90. So she'd rather walk away with nothing Mm -hmm. than have you this her or him with you know so that show i mean so there's so much massive example that people aren't rational and i like to do the the cigarette thing first of all if you're ready to close the country down for 250,000 deaths then why don't you stop selling tobacco because that kills 400,000 a year and during the middle of a pandemic with an aerosolized deal you think this is the year that we'd be prolonged mm-hmm. so they're selling cigarettes on every corner while they're closing down the store for that. But but if it was airplanes, remember airplanes, in 2019, one guy died on an airplane in America and 36,000 died in a car. And if two fully loaded jumbo jets with 500 people each crashed into each other and fell to the ground, from here to Nashville, they'd close every airport down in an hour. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they wouldn't even blink. Right. But when, you know, it's a thousand people and it's the flu and, you know, so, so humans, have never been rational to begin with. And I think classic economics has got a long way to go because they're going to have to roll in psychology and motivation and social media. And they're, they're complicated people. But I wanted to ask you a question. You're, um, you're in Nashville, which is the most controversial city in America with smiles direct club there. I mean, you got some really innovative out there going, get it. I mean, what is the, uh, I, I just wanted to be a fly on the wall uh, at an orthodontist driving by the Smile Direct Club uh, building in Nashville with 4,000 employees. What, what's that like? I mean, you're like living in your mother-in-law's house during a divorce. I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy times out in Nashville. Well, you know, you bring up a good point. A lot of people don't know, but Nashville is the healthcare capital of the world. You know, more healthcare dollars flow through this little city than anywhere with HCA and a lot of I mean, just t- different groups. And Smile Direct Club, you know, 
I have to say that I don't, I mean, again, on the orthodontist side, I think, you know, kind of hindsight being 2020, I mean, I'll give you an example. You can't complain about an election and I, and again, regardless of what side you're on, if you didn't make damn sure there were firewalls whenever the midnight mail-in votes came in to make sure that they weren't crap, you can't. And then after it's done, you can't do nothing about it. So what I'm saying is with Smile Direct Club, they should have got way ahead against lobbying with the state boards and the federal government saying, hey, man, what's going on here? And try to put some firewalls in there to protect orthodontists because, yeah, they're not super happy about it. But I also say, you know, maybe it's where we're going. You know, we talk and I was going to ask you, Howard, you know, a question about, you know, I know teledentistry became real hot or, you know, I saw I saw a lot of ads on it, you know, in dental town and I saw a lot of ads in it and dentistry IQ and the doctor by cuspid, you know, how I mean again this is basically moving to teledentistry for orthodontics and evidently they're doing something right because they're making a lot of money wouldn't then they just partner with like CVS or somebody uh, I saw it this week they just partnered with a big big chain Walgreens you know, CVS um, Walmart I don't know um I'm a I don't want to embarrass you but how what, what year did you graduate from high school I graduated high school in 80 what year did you get out 95 95 um so just because they're making a um, a deal with CVS or Sears, I mean, how many dental companies have done a deal with Walmart over the years? I right. Mean, just because, I mean, I mean, I love the fact that they're entrepreneurs and they'll try something, but their success rate, um, they're ready to fail forward. And uh, oh my God, remember when Sears? I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's so many um, people are only attracted to dentistries because they see the margins. I mean, the S and P five hundred and the Russell two thousand averages a five percent profit margin and then they look over at dentistry and think holy moly this thing's lucrative and they don't realize it's a really weird business it's very complex because um i'm um you know dentistry is all surgery only 10 percent of physicians will ever pick up a scalpel and cut you all my homies you know we work in an operatory that's an operation we lean you back we have to what first i tell you you have four cavities well how do you know you can't Go to Wikipedia and find out, um, does Chris Mahan really have four cavities on December? I mean, nobody knows. You have to look at me and in a split second say, do I trust that guy or is this snake oil? And then I have to touch you, which is a violation. Then I lean you back. And you remember, for the last one million years, how did all of our ancestors die? On the ground, neck exposed, while a carnivore, hyena, lion, tiger, clamped her neck. Um, I was explained to this when I had my four babies. <laughs> Gordon Hill said, you're a dentist, right? He said, watch this. And when the new kids were born, he'd examine every part of their body, nasal, Q-tip. He could do anything to any part of their body. He said, doc, watch what happens when I try to get in his mouth. And he just barely put his finger in the mouth and a newborn baby arched her back, fighting. <laughs> because you can only go three minutes without oxygen, three days without water, and three weeks without food. And that kid knows Stay away from my mouth. That's how I die. And dentists are have chosen. It was the worst decision they ever made. They were so close to the nose, the eyes, the ears. They should have been an ENT, but we ended up uh, a dentist. And they're um, they're very scared. We see the worst side of them. They're very happy before they go in to eat at a restaurant or go to Disneyland. They're very scared about us putting on their back, getting in their airway, playing with their mouth. And so a lot of business say. Like, like Sears and Walmart. Oh, this will be an easy way to make money. Good luck with that. Now, me personally, I'm all for competition because I think every industry gets healthier with competition. Um, when you uh, look at all the industries, 
that went to the government and they got protection measures to keep out imports or to tax imports or whatever, the longer the protection and the longer the imports, the guaranteed chance that company go out of business. I mean, I mean, most of your athletes uh, on the uh, Tennessee Titans would tell you um, that they, they would never even go three days without working out. And yeah. remember Mike Tyson on top of the game, goes to jail for five years, and yeah. even Mike Tyson couldn't get back at that level. Right. So to be in really, 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 really good competitive shape, man, you just got to keep working hard, hustling, and long days, and take, doing everything. And once you walk away from that and get lazy, it's hard as hell to get back on that horse. And, and look, look, at, um, look, look at Phoenix, Arizona. I've, I've practiced here since 87. It wasn't until DSOs rolled into town that you could find a dentist open on a Saturday and a Sunday. Right now, it's only the DSOs that are open Monday through Sunday, eight to eight, and that's what we needed in Arizona, where eight and a half percent of all the emergency room visits are odontogenic in origin, because mm -hmm. all my homies are fat and lazy like me and what in three day weekends. And that's why I tell the young kids, I said, you know what the young kids got, even though they got four hundred thousand dollars student loans to graduate during a pandemic, all the older dentists are rich and fat and lazy and there's nothing that would make them that busload of dentists that we drove all the way to the uh the horse rink with mm -hmm. not one of those guys would want to go back to the way we used to work in fact i often sit around and wonder about myself like how did i used to do it back then i mean i worked <laughs> seven to seven monday through saturday like the first decade it's like if you told me i had to do that now i'm like did I accidentally kill someone or did I, <laughs> did I do something really bad? What, what the hell happened? But so those young people, man, they got so much energy and so much hard work and the, and the older people are, you know, we do what older people do. I, I sit around and worry about six grandkids. I don't worry about, you know, can my patient get a hold of me on a Saturday? You know what I mean? So I, I tell the young kids, man, get out, work hard and hustle. And yeah, you might open up in Nashville and say Nashville's got too many deaths. Yeah, Nashville has too many dentists Monday through Thursday, 8 to 5. But it probably doesn't have two dentists in town mm -hmm. on Saturday at 2 in the afternoon right. or 7 o'clock on a Tuesday. So just go where they ain't, man. If, if everyone's working 8 to 5, then you should do, you know, um, noon to 8. Um, I, I see that in so many towns where, um, hell, even in Manhattan. Manhattan's a town where everybody stays up late. I mean. It, mm -hmm. I couldn't believe when I first went there how many dentists didn't even have their first patient till 10. Mm -hmm. But a lot of outsiders thought, wow, all the dentists are more likely to work like noon to 8 or 10 to 6. And so they, they'd open up and say, well, I'm going to go to Manhattan and just open up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Just go where they ain't. Do something different. Competition's good for everyone. Um, you know, uh, just if you're willing to work hard and hustle and you're a doctor in the United States of America – if you can't make money being a doctor in the richest country in America, you ain't trying. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think you're right. I think a lot of the anxiety initially about VC and DSOs and that, you know, I think that that is, in my opinion, subsided. I mean, I've got, you know, the new generation of young dentists coming out, you know, again, I'm seeing a lot of these kids coming out and going and working at implant offices or denture offices that are really implant offices or, you know, and really, you know, two years out of school, man, they are dropping implants like crazy and do full upper and lower arches. I can see them going out and getting a couple years experience. And I've got multiple clients that did de novo practices in 2020, the year of the COVID 
And these kids are knocking down a hundred grand a month and they've been in the game six months, but they've done a lot of their research. They opened up on the cheap. You know, they were, you know, big Scott Luna breakaway practice guys and like we're looking up how to open up and keep costs down and not make everybody else fat. And you know, and they and they got their marketing right and they got their brand right and these kids are killing it, you know. So that opportunity's there. If they can do it and they passed boards two and a half years ago, then we can all do it, you know. Yeah, and I, I remember um, when I was uh, out of school, they were telling me, well, dude, you got to have E-deck chairs. That's like the Cadillac, whatever. And I thought, okay, I just got out of dental school, and I didn't know what an E-deck chair is. So I went and asked like 10 people that weren't dentists, can you name a brand of dental chairs? They said no. <laughs> so I got used dental chairs and then had them reupholstered because the reupholstery business is all with autos. It's not for dental chairs. You call any auto reupholster deal and what they would do to my dental office, I'd do it every seven years because I was doing the same thing as uh, McDonald's and Chick-fil-A where um, they remodel all their stores <laughs> in seven years. And by the way, um, I, I my guy just every seven years comes and as soon as we close, he comes in, does one chair. And then when you come back the next morning and, and, and when you do that one chair for a little bit of coin mm -hmm. and everybody comes in and says, oh, you got a new chair because <laughs> they see the new upholster, but no one knows what the hell a nice chair is or whatever. But, you know, Chick-fil-A is personal for me because, you know, I grew up in uh, my, my dad uh, it was Sonny Drive-In. I mean, yeah, um, my, you know, big poverty. He had seven kids. He, had, he delivered rainbow bread for 11,000 a month. And then when I was 10, he saved up money and bought himself a Sonic drive-in franchise. And my whole life, McDonald's was number two, Burger King was number three, and Wendy's was number third. Mm -hmm. And um, and then old man uh, Wendy's died, and his daughter got the company, got the reins, and she didn't have any magic bullet. But she she didn't have one magic bullet, but she had about 100 little things that she always heard franchisees complain about and she implemented all of those and for the first time ever wendy's passed burger king and became number two mm -hmm. and it lasted about a nanosecond and then <laughs> here comes here comes uh chick-fil-a out of nowhere yeah and goes to number one everybody's like who the hell is that over there and they're doing everything wrong they're not open on sunday they're right. not doing this and that sunday thing i keep hearing that because i had a friend that had some um um Lone Stars, have you have mm -hmm. you heard of those yeah. things? Lone yeah. Stars, yeah, and um and and another one, and they said, you know what? Our, um we used to think, well, if you have the land and building, then you know the pads half a million, the buildings half a million. If you got a million dollars in land and building, you better keep that thing open twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, sir. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then what did they find out? After three years of the store manager being breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, the, 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 the manager is an alcoholic living in the bar, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. And they realize, and Chick-fil-A figured that out. They're like, dude, you need a day of rest. We're going to close down Sundays. And then those other chains said, no, get rid of this breakfast thing. It's just, it's killing our people. And they said, let's just focus on lunch and dinner and, um, and, uh, better, you know, better for the employees. And it was, uh, just more healthier and far more profitable. It's nice when your office manager doesn't turn into a complete alcoholic every three years. <laughs> right. Right. Same cycle. Every three thing. years, every three years. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Well, so what's going on with you? What have you seen out there, Howard, with, you know, with, with 2020 and COVID, have you seen, you know, are you seeing practices, you know, doing better than 2019? Are you seeing them making it back? Are you seeing them have a hard time? What are some successes? What are some failures? What are you thinking? 
I'm thinking this, this might be biased. My mom was Catholic and when we were little, we always had to do these um, Catholic retreats. I don't know if other religions do that, um, but in all through grammar school and high school, you know, like every semester, when um, instead of going home at Friday at, um, at the end of school, you would go with the priest to the rectory and, and, and it'd be, you know, I called them a timeout and, and I loved them. In fact, I, we, we, um, in our school, you know, the first class was mass every day from, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I loved the first 10 years cause they were in Latin because when <laughs> they're in Latin, you don't know what the hell they're saying. So you could just think and meditate and yeah. you had an hour where they took, you know, imagine yourselves a rat and you can eat some food and drink some water and run on your wheel. And you know, you're just, you're just always busy and you're on a rat wheel and you're in a routine and those, and when mass was in Latin and when you took a, um, a deal or you're in the middle of a pod, uh, pandemic and they closed down the damn dental office for two months, what I'm seeing is dentists are really, really smart. They're overtrained in the classics of math, chemistry, physics, biology, and Almost everybody I'm talking to says, well, you know, I had two months to think about all this stuff and now <laughs> I'm going to come back and I'm going to drop this insurance and I'm going to do this. I think what I think what this was, was the biggest. I think the pandemic was the biggest spiritual dental retreat of all time. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think and, and then um, Dental Town exploded because they're, they're home. They got all this time on their hand. Yeah. These podcasts exploded. Everything exploded. So they so since you're just not on a rat wheel 24 hours a day i mean i mean when i get up the, the first thing i wake up to every morning is four dogs thinking what the hell took you so long to get up dude we've yeah. been ready for you to get up for an hour and and you're just so busy doing all this stuff that you'd never have time to do a deep dive and think about something and to change something and these dentists have had so much time on their hand and webinars and podcasts and they've, they've exploded and I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you the only thing I will guarantee you when this thing is completely over, it ain't going to look like it was before. Like even the teledentistry thing. I mean, if you called up <coughs> Chris to make an appointment, well, it's, I, it's a million times more important to be able to just see you mm -hmm. and you see me. I can't tell you how weird it is when people say, um, you're two thirds when you're on the phone and you're two thirds. Is it the upper right or the lower left? Now they're like, Hey. You know, and I mean, and then they see you and it's not, I guarantee you, it's not going to be reassembled like the way we're not going back in time. And, and the people, and then the directions of the trends, like people were already starting to work from home. Mm -hmm. I already had 20% of my staff mm -hmm. working from home before the pandemic. So to scale 20% to all was nothing. But when I look at these schools, I'm afraid about the government because the government's only done about three things right for the last 5,000 years. And I still can't find that list of what they actually did right. But um, they're going to, you know, they're going to try to get all the kids to go back in the school brick buildings. And, and, and it's like, okay, you always complained about class size. Mm -hmm. Why don't you have half the class come in Monday and Wednesday and the other half Tuesday and Thursday. But you know, the government, mm -hmm. as soon as it's over, they'll close down the online. They'll try to move everybody back to the building. And it shouldn't be that way. Um, there were a lot of trends of people saying, I like working from home. I mm -hmm. mean, um, look, look at the dysfunction in the afternoon where you're tired. Well, if you work from home, you could just go lay down on the couch for half an hour and catch a nap. But at work, you got to go to the break room and eat some Cheetos and go to the car, drink some coffee or <laughs> yeah, or do something. It's just healthier. 
Um, and, and then, and it, it's, these are strange times. Um, but what I'm worried about the most, this is what I'm worried about the most. Um, let me see if I can, uh, uh, find that real quick. Um, oh, where was, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll do a search for, uh, Tesla. Um, because a lot of dentists at first they were saying crazy things like, well, you know, um, if you drive your de your car to work every day, um, it's it's a business expense. So if you're gonna buy a business expense, I want to buy a Tesla. And and I always tell people, every single thing is tax deductible um, until you're audited. And uh, <laughs> you know, but you know, what do you call an almost impossible bubble and probable? What is a bubble's least favorite type of music? Pop. She Tesla share price, 2017 December one sixty one bucks. December 1, 2018, 70, 1966. Now it's 609. Market value of Tesla right now is 578 billion. And for that 578 billion, Toyota's is 200, Volkswagen's 84, Benz is 71, GM's 60, BMW is 55. So right now, Tesla- add, add all the rest of them up and has Tesla yeah. one more. So Tesla is worth more than Toyota, Volkswagen, Mercedes-Benz, GM, BMW, Honda, Ford, and even Maruda, Suzuki, Hyundai, Kia. I mean, it's insane. And um, a lot of people say, well, um, you know, I mean, I just, I've done this so many times in life and I'm seeing, what I'm worried about is how many dentists um, are gambling in the casino right now. And they, um, because I remember in 2000, I mean, that was the only year in my life that I made more money in stocks and dentistry. The, the actual number was 384,000. And all I did is ride Cisco, Dell, Microsoft, and Intel. They were just doubling. I mean, you just, you could have a drunk monkey and they just, everything yeah. kept doubling. Until 2001, and, um, right? I, yeah. And, um, and it made you feel really rich because I mean, I mean, you would sit there and say, wow, today at the dental office, I did $10,000, but today in the stock market, I made 11,000. <laughs> and then there were dentists who decided they were too gifted cerebrally to drill, fill and bill. And they decided they were going to be full-time stockbrokers and they became day traders. And they, you know, because they were just, I mean, obviously they were the Sir Isaac Newton, Albert Einstein of stock picking uh, during the biggest, craziest, insane bull market of all times. Um, this stock market um, should have tanked when it started to tank, um, but it didn't. Um, people saw the government and said, uh, hey, the Federal Reserve, he didn't blink. He printed $3 trillion. He's got her back. Let's go back to the casino. And um, what I'm mostly afraid of right now, and I really am, is that I was graduating from high school in 1980. That's when the New York Fed, Paul Volcker, um, drove inflation. I mean, to kill inflation, he drove interest rates to 21%, mm -hmm. and unemployment and inflation were double digits. Oil embargo, and then, yeah. And then I graduated in May 11, 1987, and Black Monday, where the market 80. dropped a quarter, was that uh, was three months later. And then there was the Y2K bubble. And then 2008, uh, August 15th, there was Lehman's Day. And gosh, I think I'm, what I'm worried about is that the um, the um, stock market correction crash. I mean, it's I mean, my favorite um, um, Nobel Prize winning Austrian economist, Joseph Schumpeter, I mean, you wrote the book Business Cycles. In a nutshell, they said, why are there business cycles? And he's like, OK, you you see all the people buying and selling the stocks, right? Mm -hmm. 
yeah, they're crazy people. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're not rational um, people. They're irrational people. So all this stuff about yeah, economics being uh, of rational players with perfect information, and that's all crazy. It's, uh, they're, 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 they're crazy. And we are in crazy territory again. I mean, if you really, really think it's normal that Tesla is worth more than all the other car companies in the world. Combined, yeah. Um, I think um, Except the drone. Drinking, yeah. yeah, you're drinking something out of a bottle that has red hot dripping wax all over the top of it. <laughs> it's a little makers and, for it. And you. it's called makers. Yeah. And uh, this, this, we are not in any rational territory. So my, my fear is, you know, if you're at the casino and you're up, cash out. I, I cashed out in November of 1999 because I got real lucky. My, my yard man came by the house. He wasn't even doing the yard that day. He drove all the way to my house, and I'm thinking, why is Saul here? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't even make any sense. I mean, even, you know, nothing made sense. And he opened the door, and he said, Howard, you've been so good to me and my friend and my family and uh, here. And he gave me a yellow post-it note that said SFE on it. And he said, Howard, I promise you, if you buy this stock, it will double. I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> my, land, my land guy is thinks it's a casino. <laughs> And then I was trying to get my mind around some other benchmark to put this in because obviously I had, um, I went to Creighton in 1980, Warren Buffett, you know, he's the Oracle Mall. He came over and talked to her class. He told us about the, um, the Berkshire uh, Index. And what that was, was when you're inside a country like United States of America, you have the country's GDP. It's, you know, say it's, say it's 19 trillion. Mm -hmm. And you know that 85% of all the businesses are small businesses, 25 employees or less like a dentist. So you know the big companies are only 15%. Mm -hmm. So you know the value of just those 15% can't be worth more than the whole damn country. So, <laughs> so he liked the, the value of those stocks to only be like maybe two thirds a percent of the value of the GDP. And he says, and whenever it gets above that, they're irrational and it's going to trend back down. And whenever it gets really low, lock in because it's going to ride back up. And now this is the longest period I've ever seen Warren Buffett not do a video. He hasn't been on CNBC. You can't find the guy. And the Buffett index is sitting at 181%. Yeah. So the 181% just to get back to baseline of equal to GDP is a horrendous market crash. And it actually should, and it usually does get back down when it bottoms back out to about 65, 70%. And like I say, if I was predicting the future, then you, I'd be a palm reader. I'd be a gypsy. I'd be, I'd be crazy. I mean, I'm not predicting the future. I'm not giving a date, but I can tell you this is extremely concerning because for the chance of all those investors to just slowly cash out at the poker table one at a time and slowly it just drifts back down is not going to happen. That's not how humans play. That's not how it works. Yeah. And I've, um, I've seen this rodeo four times. I mean, I'm my oldest grandkid's 13. What? I don't even, I know, Donnell's 13. I mean, I can't, um, I'm telling you, I mean, um, find another dentist MBA millionaire who's got a grandson 13 that tells you, oh yeah, Tesla, oh yeah, that, that's definitely worth half a <laughs> trillion dollars. 
Are you drunk out of your mind? So in succinct to your question, I'm more concerned. Now I'm not concerned about the pandemic because we got a vaccine and I was wrong on that because the reason I was wrong on that is because when I got my first influenza vaccine in dental school, they told us, they said, now, remember, this is for influenza. This isn't the common cold. The common cold is 90% of the time rhinovirus is 10% coronavirus. And I said, well, why don't they do a vaccine for the common cold? And they go, oh, they will. They will. That's next year. <laughs> 32 years later, they never got it. They also told us they were going to get a vaccine for streptococcus mutans and P. gingivalis. So they're just going to vaccinate dentistry away. So you should think about a second career. 32 <laughs> years out of school, I still haven't seen. But I didn't know about this new messenger RNA, mm -hmm. this MRA. But I'm telling you, um, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I think that um, they're going to probably do about 30 million vaccines a month. And I think um, come June, it's over, Rover. Yeah. Game but over. what I'm afraid of, and I'm sorry to be the jerk that tells you this, but I think in June, you're going to be wishing we were back to the coronavirus pandemic because I think the financial house of cards are going to readjust and normalize back to their 150 year trend line. What do you think? Well, those are all very valid points, man, and good and good points. And I'll talk to you about, yeah, it's something is definitely off. You know, Tesla, I have a client, I have you know, clients call me and say, hey, Chris, I get an energy tax credit if I buy an electronic car, I want a Tesla. And then I had to tell one the other day, I said, well, you, they get those credits based on numbers of cars they sell. Tesla has already sold their quota so but you can get a, a chevy volt and he didn't even respond back to me so i don't know <laughs> i guess the chevy wasn't as sexy as the tesla but you know you look at airbnb their 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 no doordash's ipo last week for a company that's never made money never and it's billions of dollars right airbnb went side by side with it and these things are crazy i mean uber never made money and they came in with billions on it the Amazon never had, you know, came in with money and never had billions on it. So I echo your sentiment. I think that, yeah, my personal opinion is dentists and doctors today need to be investing in what they know is going to make them money and it's recession proof. And that is their practices. They, you know, again, they're in a, you know, in healthcare, you're in a high demand area that's always going to have sick people and toothaches and people with money that want to have cosmetic smile makeovers. So you need to make sure you look at your business model, in my opinion, because I, you know, again, I'm thinking it's probably going to be probably a correction and I'm not an investment advisor at all, but just like, like you said, looking at the tea leaves and looking at history, we've been on a long bull run and I think that. It's going to be 2020 number two, 2022, right? It's going to be 2020. They're going to put a dash in it and put a number two because 2020 was such a cluster, right? 2022 is you know, about when I think it'll probably correct. And yeah, you're going to see a lot of different of things happening. Um, I just think because I think they'll be able to run it out through 2021. I mean, everybody's predicting huge returns, 10%, 15% returns on market. Um, you just don't know when that day is going to happen, though. That's You know, you can't time it. But something will correct. I mean, you got the Russell 2000 just jumping out of the stratosphere. You know, you got daily records. And um, where they say pigs get fat and hogs go to slaughter. So I'm with you. <laughs> and, you know, that's the thing also. If you go with the, the Oracle of Omaha, Buffett's rule, what is it? Is when they're buying, you sell. When they're selling, you buy. Right? You do the opposite of what all the rest of the herd are doing. 
and you'll always come out ahead. And I think that's something for people to consider in everything. But I'd look at doubling down on their practice, on any of their, you know, infrastructure, their marketing, their brand development, and their services offering. Because, I mean, you and I both know, you know, I got Dr. Joe down the road, and if he's still doing things the exact same way that he's been doing it for 30 years, and he's got the 10,000-square-foot house and the, and the boat and the beach house, too, if he's still doing it the same way, there's some natural-born killers. that It's not DSOs or private equity groups that you got to watch out for. It's these, a lot of these natural-born killer hungry young guys coming up investing in the the funnels on top of their practices just driving implants to them day one you know it's investing in a lot of the marketing a lot of the additional adjunct services and utilizing their hygienists to the capacity they can utilizing their assistance the way they can so when this storm does come because there will be a storm there always is right that's one thing you can bank on there will be a storm and we don't know when it'll be but you want to make sure your house is in order that your foundation's super strong and because a lot of times when those storms happen I mean, Howard, I think, you know, I know you've seen it. The people that are prepared for them just clean house because they're just picking up chips while everybody else is scrambling around getting their butts kicked. And you can, you know, wait for that storm to happen, then invest back in the market, then invest in practice acquisitions, then invest in practice expansion. And then you come out of it 2023, 24, 25, and you're sitting there with the money machine just stacking dollars. Chris, I sold my McMansion. I mean, I was like, I, I, I wasn't going to be sitting in some house by myself, a million dollar house with four one ton air conditioners, because <laughs> I'm just, I, I just, and granted that was two years ago, but I mean, th this thing's a disaster, but I, I want to say something else about, um, one thing I love about, um, your accounting and dentistry is all the words have meanings, whereas you switch to, um, politics, religion, history, a lot, a lot of times words don't have meaning, but what also concerns me about this deal is, um, Go back to the word socialism because all political words are used. Like when people say the words, they're, they're not scientific, but the word socialism actually originated when workers were saying, okay, it's one thing when the king comes to my farm and declares that he gets half my crop for taxation. That pissed him off. But when the king actually took his land and takes half his cross, crop, that was the line in the sand. That's where blood was drawn. Mm -hmm. And the word socialism simply meant I'm the worker and I know taxation without representation. I know it's a bad thing, but um, I am going to own my means of production. And a lot of dentists are saying, I don't want to own my means of production. I'm just going to go take a job at Hinky Dinky Dental Office. And that's great. But during a contraction, you're just chump change. You're just like, oh, you're excess fat. We'll just cut you off. Mm -hmm. When is when you own your means of production, you can say, well, I used to work Monday through Thursday, eight to four and booked out two weeks in advance. Now I'm just living in my dental office with my cell phone. And if you come in, I'm here. You know what I mean? <laughs> when yeah. you own your means of production, you can adjust. But I'm, I'm looking at about 30,000 um, dentists that decided it's more efficient not to own their means of production and just be somebody's employee. But what they don't realize is that during a contraction, that's the easiest cost to cut. I mean, when you look at a dental office and their overhead's too high, is it usually because someone turned up the thermostat or is it labor, <laughs> labor, 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 labor? And dentists are always asking me, you know, well, how do you get your supply bills down? And I say, well, take your really high labor and have them get online for at $20 an hour to save five cents on gauze. My problem isn't the price <laughs> of gauze. 
And and don't and if you lock up the thermostat, are you aware that one lady up front's going through menopause, the other one's an anorexic? I mean, I mean, <laughs> I'm not getting involved in politics, religion, or the thermostat. Okay, yeah. but it's always labor, and I'm telling you that when labor's too high, the employees are are just shed. And and I don't know why. I don't know what a young dentist is reading in history when they look over the last five thousand years. When was it a better time? to be a landless squatter peasant than it was to own your own 40 acres. Never. And never. Never. So why are they doing this? They're doing this because they think there'll always be good times. There's always a trophy for participation. Everybody gets a present at the birthday party. And guess what? That ain't how it rolls. And that might be, (laughs) you know, I mean, again, you know, whenever the bad times hit and, you know, mama can't afford presents for everybody, there ain't presents for nobody, you know. You know what my grandpa always got every Christmas, and they had like seven boys, five girls, whatever, and they loved it. You know what it was? Over, they had their stockings, and everybody got one orange. And he still thinks it was the greatest morning ever to wake up to an orange because they didn't have oranges. And and but he had the family and the cooking, and they'd kill a pig or a lamb or a cow. Who knows? Everything was great. Um, but I'm um, I. This is what I remember the most about the rides. Um, the longest star bull market I lived through was the 94 when Amazon went public uh, to 2000 for six years that that it would just march, march, mm-hmm. march, march. Uh, it wouldn't stop. And the dentists that were um, coming to age then in high school and college and and that and they, they just they 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 totally believe that was real. And they bought way too much house, way too much car. Their dental office looked like the Taj Mahal. Mm-hmm. And then when it crashed, you're like, well, what the hell happened? That's not supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And the dentists that did the best were the ones that were born, that graduated from dental school after Y2K. Mm-hmm. And they came out, it looks like that a Mad Max movie. And they're like, it's normal that all the buildings are blown up and it's just <laughs> broken glass in the street and there's no gasoline. Now that's, that's normal, right? And I'm like, yeah, so don't spend a lot of money and save. And I really think if you're born in a bull market or a contraction, it really plays with your brain and go back to Kansas. You can spot the depression grandpas. If you can't spot them out from a hundred yards, you're blind mm-hmm. because they don't wear blue jeans. Cause mm-hmm. in that day, Blue jeans were for blue collar workers and the well-to-do men had plaid pants. So they don't sell plaid pants anymore. So he's wearing about a 50 year old pair of plaid pants (laughs) and you know, he don't spend any money and he's got a million bucks in the bank. Yeah. That's just their psyche. Mm -hmm. And then their grandson, you know, wants a red Ferrari when he turns 16 and thinks he deserves it. And he wants to be an Instagram influence model or whatever the hell. (laughs) And I'm just telling you guys, if you're currently a dentist and you're listening to me and Chris and you're drunk at the bar and you're in Vegas and you have all your money in Tesla, 578 billion, you know what you do? You shut the hell up. You quietly cash out. I cashed out $384,000 in November of, of, uh, two, of 1999 because my um, yard man gave me a stock tip. And then the second thing was I had the Berkshire index, so I knew it was overvalued, but I wanted to believe 
So I started looking at other numbers and what caught my mind is I, I printed out a list of all 208 countries GDP and then the market value of my stocks. And I realized that, that if my four stocks that had doubled like three, four times a year since 94, uh, it was Dell, Cisco, uh, Microsoft and Intel, that if they doubled again, they'd each have a market cap of a trillion. And then on the GDPs at that time, the 10th GDP uh, was 1 trillion. Then we left the trillions went smaller and it was Italy at 1 trillion. And I thought, and I'm looking at this little Cisco router with like four blinking lights. And it's <laughs> like, okay, Italy has like 75 million people. They got this little thing called Rome, uh, Venice, the Leaning Tower. Yeah. Is, is that little plastic box there with four blinking lights, is that, would someone trade Italy for that? I don't think so. <laughs> and then I realized, you know, so 578 billion, if you just took the 500 away and had 78 billion, it's worth more than Mercedes Benz at 71 billion. And by the way, you know, Mercedes Benz owns the smart car. And, and remember that, um, that, um, on the electric car, Norway has the highest share of electric cars as a percent of total cars sold in the country. Tesla ruled there and they no longer ruled there because Audi saw what was going on. And now the Audi e-tron mm -hmm. is the number one selling electric car. Mm -hmm. And you're saying the Chevy one, exactly. It just wasn't sexy enough. Right. You know, remember when we were little, all the car magazines always had like a muscle car, but they always had like some chick in a bikini. Some beautiful, the car. beautiful, yeah. Yeah, it's like, um, so yeah, cars and sex was got linked somehow. But <laughs> I'm telling you, if you're one of my homies, dude, cash out. I sold my man. Talk, talk about words over deal. I mean, I, my, and, but I had another thing going on. I uh, had a four boy. When you have four boys and their original bedroom is still there, mm -hmm. uh, you know, one breakup with a girlfriend or this or that. Or They're the, always coming the back hell. in around. Yeah. And so I, I did make myself a promise the next time they were all gone, I'm out of here. And you just want to downsize uh, to where uh, they, um, you know, they don't have their original room. But I, I'm just telling you, my God, this, this is a time when cash is king. And we have, we have a new president coming in. I want to tell you something else about that. In my entire life, there's only one thing a new president does. He makes, he makes the last one look better. I have not been disappointed. I mean, from 1980 on, it's like, okay, that last guy was a little weird. The next guy, you're like, damn, I wish I had the last guy. <laughs> Every job of a new president is to make you wish you had the last one. And the last one, that was a wild four years. I'm telling you, if you got faith in government, you're totally out of your mind. I mean, government is the problem. They're mm -hmm. not the solution. And <clears throat> what the government does they come in and break something with a sledgehammer and then they tell you to pay more taxes and they'll fix it. It's like, well, dude, you're the one who broke it. And when you go to the guy who ruined everything to save you, I mean, I, I we're, we're from a different planet. I'm from earth and you're from the planet Uranus. I mean, yeah. Um, and I guarantee you, um, one, one robbed the bank, one drove the getaway car. I don't care if you're on the team, cheeseburger or hamburger. I really don't care. What I care about is the individual. I am coaching the individual because 95% of the dentists I'm talking to, only 5% of the population, less than 5%, only four and a half percent of 
the population is in America. I mean, I have downloads. I, I have more downloads in India than the United States because they got a billion, 300 million people, obviously. Four times more people, two, yeah. Yeah, there's two million dentists. In fact, an interesting thing about dentists in America, you know um, private uh, dental offices and convenience stores are the same number of about 150,000? Yeah. So a convenience store like 7-Eleven and Circle K, and they have the same percent of owner-operators. About two-thirds, 65% of those 150,000 dental offices are owner-operators. That's my that's my target market. Mm-hmm. And convenience stores, about 150,000 of those, 65%, two-thirds are owner-operators. And we're both equally under pressure because there's a consolidation among the other one-third. And they're coming in and doing things and saying... Uh, we're going to add a restaurant and a wine cellar to this convenience store, <laughs> and they're 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 raising the bar uh, during all these good times. But when that bar gets kicked out from underneath them, would you rather have your money in an owner-operated Seven Eleven or some big old corporate monstrosity that has a chef and a wine cellar at a damn convenience store when you're just there? For yeah. some cheap gas and a, and a bottle of water to go. Yeah. Because you got five more hours on your trip. But I'm all for the owner operator um, because history shows that um, when you, when you know, taxation without representation pisses them off. But when you come and take their land and they're landless squatter peasants there. and you still take half their crop, the government is going to be turned changed over. Mm-hmm. I think the longest government that ever lasted was the Roman Empire, and that didn't even make it. And 500, what was it, 47 BC to mm-hmm. 4458, whatever the hell. It didn't even make it 500 years. But um, I think dentistry is in great deal because, like, look at American chiropractors. Only 5% of Americans have ever been to a chiropractor. The World Health Organization says that every human on earth will see a dentist once in their life and that the number one disease on earth is still a cavity. And in my 35 years, we have not done a very good job because we were the most common disease when I graduated in 87 and we're still the most common disease 32 years later. And of all the cancers, oral cancer is the only one where in five years, the survival rate is still not even 5% and that index hasn't moved. So to all my homies out there, we ain't done a very good job. Decay is still number one. Oral cancer ain't salvageable. And the last thing we're going to do to fix this is with a bunch of Wall Street DSOs and and all this and and insurance insurance. Do you realize that in Asia, China? When I'm in Asia, they they all de- all their dentists and their economists declare insurance as moral hazard. They're like, let me tell you something, Chris. You're 12 years old and you just came in here with eight cavities. You know why you have eight cavities, Chris? Because you eat chocolate and drink Coke every day, and you never brush or floss your teeth. And they think having your mom or your boss or the president pay for all those fillings, you're like, no, you know what you need to do? You need to go out there and mow lawns and save up the money and spend it all on fixing your eight fillings. And maybe you'll learn a lesson and change your behavior. Mm -hmm. That's dentistry. It's still, I mean, it's got, I mean, oh my God, nothing's going to change in dentistry. For those, if you're born a doctor in the richest country in the world and you're a dentist, it's all yours, baby. All you got to do is work hard and hustle. And if you work like no dentist has for 10 years, you're going to reap like no dentist has for 20 years. So mm-hmm. just work hard and hustle and you're going to be okay. That's right, man. That is awesome. Well, man, thanks so much, Howard. I always love chatting with you and hanging out with you. And as soon as we get back to normalcy, we'll have you back out here for a dental summit. I know you spoke at two of our dental summit Nashville's. 
You were on our bourbon and horses where we took the buses up to Keeneland yeah, and watched yeah. the watch the races, a couple of docks, hit it big on that first race, and uh, this Maker's Mark, it was a great time. So we'll get that going. Hey, I see that you got a new book, man. I didn't even know you had this book. What is this uh, Uncomplicate Business? It says all it takes, all it, all it, the only thing it takes is people, time, and money. Is that what it is? Yeah, well, what it was is, you know, I started my own magazine in 94 after being published in the Journal of the American Dental Association four times. But what they did is they'd always take my article and say, well, Howard, you can't say that. You can't say that. You'll <laughs> offend. And they, when they get done editing it, when I read the final article, I'm like, did I write that? And um, that's why I call my <laughs> podcast Dentistry Uncensored. And what I did is I've written a monthly column every month since April of 94, and um, to my grandchildren, I printed out all those columns, I put them on the floor, and I don't know if they're gonna be a dentist, a doctor, a candlestick maker, own a restaurant, I don't know what the hell they're gonna do. And so I took out all the dentistry, and I looked at it and said, you know, I want to take grandpa's knowledge and transport to my kids, and the first draft was 600 pages, and that was too long. Second draft got it down to 400 pages. That was too long. Third draft, I got it down to just, look, business. It's people, time, and money. You want to uncomplicate business? It's people, time, money. It was written not for any of you. It was written actually for Taylor Marie, <laughs> uh, for Ann. And uh, that was my granddaughter. And I thought, um, Grandpa's going to tell her everything she know, needs to know in one book. And I did an outstanding job. It's got a gazillion five-star reviews. And, um, you know, um, businesses, you know, schools teach you math and physics, but schools are not very good at teaching in grammar school level. I mean, uh, in dental school, you know how many business classes we had? Like one, none. one, yeah. None. So um, it was written, uh, I, I think it was the fastest, easiest, cheapest, highest, lowest cost, fastest way to transfer everything in my walnut brain to yours. And, um, and you get on an audiobook. In fact, uh, Kyle, what we need to do, we need to sit me down and read that book and make a uh, five and a half hour audio book podcast of that. Uh, audible, man. That's the only way I read is on Audible. Well it, well, it is on Audible now. Okay. Oh, so I probably don't have to then. It is on Audible. But if it's your voice, your voice, man, you got a one of a kind voice, Howard. Do so, I? Yeah, it's great, man. I love it. If you were reading your own book, I swear to God, that'd make it three times better. Huh. Well, I read it on. Will you check? I think I read it on Audible. I think. Yeah, take a look at. It. I I did read it on Audible because I, I remember reading oh. it. Oh. Well, hey, I'm gonna go about. get it on Audible today because that's what I do yeah. to and from work every day. I'm always like, as you get older, it's funny. You think, man, if I don't keep getting better, I'm gonna die. So I'm trying to like make value time out of everything. You know, like listen to podcasts, listen to Audible on the way to work, try to exercise once a day. I only drink, you know, a liter of vodka a day, and I'm I'm getting better. So. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, the thing about, you know, it's so amazing just to be able to live in the richest country in the world. Mm -hmm. It makes it double amazing if you're a professional accountant, CPA, dentist, whatever. But you know what makes it gravy is when you still know that you have to hustle and you like to hustle. And how many CPA accountants take their rent a bus and take their dentist to makers and this and that? I mean, what I love about you is you're a hard working, you're smart as smart as hell, but you're also a hard working hustler. And uh, a lot of, I had a dentist the other day tell me, I I, I swear to God, I, I wanted to just punch him. Um, you know, he taught, I keep telling all these people that they can't find a job. I say, you can't find one job? He go, oh, well, yeah. I mean, there's this 
Indian Public Health Service Medicaid clinic where I could go do a bunch of, you know, Medicaid work. And I said, you'd rather sit. You, you, you were telling me earlier that in dental school, because of the pandemic, that you didn't do a single root canal on a live patient. And now you're telling me that they're booked out three months advance of some Medicaid clinic. You could be doing root canals, but you're not going to go there because it's a low dollar, low fee job Medicaid clinic. Best education ever. If I told that story to my father, he would have knocked half my teeth out. It's, it's kind of like when people blame kids because their parents don't help them do their homework. If I would ask my dad, dad, will you help me do the homework? You just have a lump. Let me see the book. And they were taking the book, smacked me over the head with it and gave it back. I mean, you got to fix you, you know, you got to work hard. You got to work hustle. And if you pick, I'm going to stay home and complain instead of go get a job at a dental office where I can work 12 hours a day, seven days a week till the end of time until I got a better option. And that's what I love about you and me. We're still of the old school, hard work and hustling kind of man. Yeah. You know, get out and thanks. And thanks for those comments, Howard. And, you know, and I'll share with you, some people will spend $50,000, $100,000 on continuing education post-dental school, which I think is a good thing. Again, like you mentioned in one of our seminars, you know, whenever you get, after you pass your medical boards, you still have to do two years, you know, work in the hospital floors and those kind of things, you know. And that being said, that doesn't happen in dental. But in, in dental, they'll spend that fifty or $100,000. And I had a client that I actually got from your podcast that I was on a couple of years ago. This guy's in Reno. And he's just knocking it damn down in production. And I'm like, and I didn't look at his procedure mix. I was like, man, you're doing a lot of implants. You're doing, you know, no, man, I don't do no implants. Like, you're doing a lot of, what are you doing? And endo. He just decided not to refer out his endo. So that guy that you're talking, or girl, whatever, that doctor that you're speaking about, you know, if they had that opportunity to go there, because what do they always say about root canals? It takes too long. I'm not very good at it. I'm like, that is, you don't even have to advertise for root canals. And you can increase your production by a million dollars a year. Just get a microscope and do the damn root canals, you know, but. Hey. <laughs> and here, here's another thing that I'm hustling. I mean, um, dentists, I mean, not only are they lazy and entitled, but their staff is even worse. Like um, I, I, a million dental offices, the 11 o'clock will cancel. And then at like a quarter till 12, someone will say, well, you got a toothache? And I'll say, well, we don't have any openings because we're going to lunch from 12 to 1 and the afternoon's booked. It's like you, you've been eating in the break room from 11 to 11.45 and they're still going to lunch. Mm -hmm. And every staff meeting, and I worked early, I said, you know, when a fireman shows up to the fire there, they don't say, oh, well, Chris, I'm sorry, but, um, you know, lunch hours in five minutes. I don't want to get out all these water hoses, then break them down for lunch. I mean, firemen, policemen, astronauts nobody's entitled to a lunch or to go home at five. And when I got there in the morning, I said, okay, who's going with me through lunch if, the, if, if it arrives? And that was usually always the married girl or the, the, the girls with kids mm -hmm. that had after school kids activity. Who will go along with, who wants their lunch and who will go along with me if the if it arrives? And that was usually the single people or the ones that were going home to, um, they, they didn't have the kids stuff. They, mm -hmm. they might have to go let a dog out to pee or something. And we arranged that. From seven to seven, I said, look, um, we're a hospital. And when you go to the emergency room, eight and a half percent of emergency rooms or businesses are down to genetic origin. A lot of dentists say, well, I don't want to do a root canal because sometimes it takes me an hour just to find the fourth canal. Okay, we'll schedule it at 11 o'clock. So if it runs over, now you're on your lunch hour. Our schedule at the end of the day at four o'clock. I would always put my biggest, nastiest, ugliest cases at 11 o'clock and four o'clock. And I mean, I, I started something, especially when I was little. I mean, I started a, a wisdom tooth 
um, and, you know, a root canal at maybe four o'clock and wouldn't have a done till seven because it took me an hour and a half to find the MV2. And then, but I had friends too. And I want to um, say uh, to Nick Gidwani, uh, Nick Gidwani sent me this book. This is so amazing. It's called Dad Fuchsias by Nagish Gidwani. Best man I ever met. Yeah. He's a dentist. But look how he wrote the introduction to the book. He says, to my dear buddy, Howie, the famous top half of the tooth extractor and lecturer extraordinaire, because when I would pull out the wisdom tooth, you know, for the first year, I could only get the top half of it out. <laughs> and then um, if I, when I gave up, uh, I had to put him in a car and drive him over to Nick's office. Um, and Nick would pull out the bottom half for free. And I'd say, well, let me give something for you. And he was like, no, you're a young Padawan. You're right out of school. And you, you, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you're trying. And if you can only get the top half out, bring him over. I'll pull out the bottom half. Bob Sundberg, the other dentist down the exact same street on 48th Street, he would do that. All of us old guys got your back, you young puppies. And, uh, you know, you want to learn how to place implants? You don't need to. If you need to get in an airplane to learn how to do root canals, fillings, and crowns, you're completely out of your mind. You know why? <laughs> because when you fly to that city, God forbid you have a massive complication. That teacher in Florida ain't going to come back to Nashville and help you. You know who's going to you know who's gonna get the patient? The specialist across the street. Mm -hmm. So you know who ought to teach it? Him. Mm -hmm. and, and, and he wants to because he's already sending you cookies and flowers and cupcakes. So he wants a relationship, but he's a... He's introvert like you, and I learned um, to um, work with my referrals. The dentist across the street, when I opened up, I invited everyone over to my house for dinner and to be my friend. Half of them slammed the door in my face, and the other half were are now officially alcoholics. And uh, we would uh, come over because that's not my competition. My competition was big screen TVs and trips uh -huh. to Disneyland. And you know what? When, when I go on vacation and I have someone... Um, take my emergency calls. You have someone on the other side of Nashville. Hell, they're all the way to Kentucky because you don't want them to leave your practice. Mm -hmm. Well, I have the, my best friend across the street take them. I mean, that's what's best for the customer. And again, um, your, your specialist, there's 12 specialists. They can teach you how to place implants, crowns, and all that. Stuff. But what's cool is when you go place an implant, and it all goes to hell and back. Well, you got a periodontist across the street. That's your buddy, and they're going to fix it. Yeah. And uh, you know, and so you don't have to fly. You don't have to pay tuition. You have a new drinking buddy. Yeah. And and you have someone to yeah. belly out of your problem. Man, what, so what? So what is the problem? And it reminds me. Of, it, it's the same thing as when they were afraid to go ask a girl to dance mm -hmm. in dental school because she might say no. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The no word. <sighs> oh my gosh. So just sit here and drink all night because she might say no. <laughs> just half the dentists are gonna say no. Half the dentists live in fear and scarcity. So if there's only 10 dentists in your town, I'd want to find out today which half is the glass half full, which half is the glass empty, and then boom, and then go go spend there. But 30 years later, the guys who didn't want to have anything to do with me and they thought I was competition and they'd say, you know, this area doesn't need another dentist. I don't know why you came here. <laughs> they never, they didn't look like they were having much fun to me. Uh -uh. Looks like they had kind of a miserable dental deal. And um, so just... God, go have a beer with your homie. Go learn how to place implants with the periodontist across the street. 
and make it so that when you have a nightmare problem, your best friend's the one that's going to bail it out. That's right. Again, and I got another point. I got a, I got a young orthodontist built multiple locations. He, and how he built them, one of the things he did is he would hold seminars and invite all the GPs around him and teach them how to do six-month smiles. Because then he just turned their office into an ortho-selling machine, and he would just pick up the crumbs of what was too complicated or they couldn't, you know, couldn't do. They made more money. He got way more referrals. And he sold for eight figures to smile doctors and is just like living it up like crazy, you know. Oh, yeah. Hey, speaking of that, um, who was that dentist? I feel so sorry for him. He's a young, good-looking kid. I think he had some party or something at his house, and it made the newspapers that he was in a, not isolating or whatever. It was all over the, the news. Um, do you remember that one? Was it in Knoxville? I don't, I don't know. Oh, my gosh. What was it? Um, there was some guy in the paper. Um wasn't wasn't one of my guys. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Tennessee dentist is one responsible for hosting the massive fashion house party in East Nashville. East was arrested overnight. <laughs> oh, wow. You don't you don't remember that story? Uh. Uh-uh. Oh no. well, I will just text. I will email it to you right Send now. Send it my anyway, way, buddy. Anyway, um, so he um called me and he said, uh, but anyway, I uh, you know I felt so sorry because. It's tough um, because, uh, you know, just the whole social media thing. You could get away with murder when we were kids. Holy <laughs> yeah. Shit. Whew. You could do you could do anything in, in the world, and now you do it. You're on Facebook. And, it's over. Uh, Viral. Um, okay. So, um, yeah, one. Yeah, it was a, so he had a big, massive party in his house, and the cops busted it, and it's all over the newspapers. But. Uh, I when he called me, I said, "Hey, don't call me, dude. You didn't invite me to the party." Huh? <laughs> huh? That's right, <laughs> Howard. Man, I sure do appreciate you, buddy. I look forward to talking soon, and uh, hopefully seeing you soon as well, man. And I hope you upload the podcast on Dental Town yeah, because more people need to hear your message. Have a rocking hot day, bud. Now you too, buddy. Appreciate you. Okay, bye bye.